Hello and welcome. My name is Robin Marriott of Property EU, and I'm delighted to be hosting this second edition of the Urban Land Institute's Vanguard podcast series. Now, as many of you will know, the ULI brings together real estate and land use experts from around the world with a clear mission to shape the world via the built environment and have a transformative impact in neighbourhoods, in cities and communities. And this podcast will focus on that future and that transformative impact. Now, the ULI Young Leaders Group recently selected 10 outstanding young professionals already making waves in the industry, calling them the new real estate vanguard. And I am delighted to be able to welcome one of them, Lieska Van Pelt. Lieska, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to uh, to be a speaker in uh, your uh, podcast. Now, Lieska, you are based in the in the Netherlands. You're the Netherlands director at CBRE Investment Management. And I just have to say to you before we get going, uh, in this podcast series, it's been ex- extremely interesting the the mix and variety of people we've had. We've had entrepreneurs, for example, yeah. that are just building you know startup companies. And on the other hand, we have people that are working for very large and established companies. Now, you work at CBRE investment management which of course fits into that second category so without putting you on the spot too much first of all um, why don't you tell us what it is that you actually do at the company and then we're going to talk a bit bit about what your company is seeing in the world right now yeah perfect perfect um yeah currently i work on a large urban area redevelopment uh, in amsterdam where i'm located right now Um, and i work there as the director director of uh, of the project uh, the coming eight years, this area will transform from a mono-functional shopping center into a vibrant mixed-use city heart for Amsterdam Southeast. A lot of functions will be added there, uh, such as uh, food and beverage, culture, residential, but also leisure. Uh, and we're doing this uh, while the area is in full use, so the transformation happens piece by piece. Uh, and this also requires a lot of um, participation of the current inhabitants of the area. And you can understand that uh, teams such as gentrification are uh, very sensitive here. Yes, of course. And we'll, of course, uh, do a deep dive into into those aspects that you just mentioned. It goes very much to the heart of mixed-use development, of course, which is an extremely hot topic at the moment. But let's just talk about uh, CBRE IM, as it's now known, a global organisation. What would you say is um, this company focused on? What matters to it most in 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 a time where I suppose uh, things are not quite clear cuts from an economic macroeconomic perspective and and so forth, what direction is everything headed in? Yeah, that's really true. Um, I think I can say we are moving to a company that uh, aims to be as good as with its tenants and end users as it is with uh, the investors. Uh, we see that real estate becomes more and more operational heavy. Uh, with concepts such as co-living, co-working, and blended use, for example. Uh, So you have to excel on the operator part as well as on the investor side. Um, We believe that we have to see our tenants and end users more as our business partners. This means that we need to um, understand what drives them and understand what uh, they think is important 
in order to be able to fully service them as our business partners. Uh, and if we do this right, this strengthens our investor operator strategy. Uh, I think, yeah, that's a short summary of uh, what are we moving to as a uh, as a company. Exactly. I mean, tenants as business partners. I mean, that that's the sea change, isn't it, that's taken place across the industry. It really is. Um, is it exemplifying itself uh, already in your business, would you say, or is this sort of a work in progress? Uh, it's we, we have m- many, many examples of, of doing this uh, uh, in another way earlier, I think. Um, we have uh, teams working on client relation man- uh, management uh, on the tenant side, the end user side, uh, where we uh, formerly had client care for the investor side. Uh, and yeah, thinking about creating places starts by understanding the consumer um, and not the other way around. So I think we, we do have a lot of examples in the company that... Um, uh, have proved the investor operator strategy. Yes. Now, Lisa, let's talk about you. And <laughs> that's yeah. what we're here for primarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you are in Amsterdam. You are Dutch, uh, yeah. of course. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps you could tell our listeners how you got into real estate as a career in the first place. And then when you joined CBREIM and yeah. uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, sure. Uh, I studied in Delft. I studied architecture. Uh, and then I moved to the investment side uh, and I was not really... Uh, uh, yeah, how do you say? I did not do the, the education in on the financial side, so I just hopped in and I liked it from from the beginning. Uh, was not my first idea to go in real estate. Uh, I always thought that I became an oncologist doctor, uh, but in the Netherlands you have to be drawn for for this, and I was not drawn. And uh, architecture and urban planning were my second best. Uh, and I loved it from the start. Uh, for me, it's the combination of uh, human behavior, design, tangibility, and finance that suits me very well. Uh, and I started this uh, a management trainee at the firm uh, back in 2015. Uh, and I did some work on the transaction side and the asset management side, both in Prezi and retail. Uh, and I'm working for the firm almost for eight years now. Uh, yeah, it's quite a long time when you say it like this, uh, but in different roles and in different sectors. So uh, yeah, real estate uh, suits me very well so far. Yeah, time flies, right? Eight years already, you say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And you've been involved in these different real estate sectors, I think, right? You, you mentioned retail yeah. property, for example. Um, yeah. You say that you've been on the investment side as well. I, I'd be very curious yeah. to know, you know, which which sector and which style has suited you most, and why do you think that is so far? Yeah. So far, I've worked in uh, resi, residential, and retail. Um, in my retail time, I did a broad range of work, varying from uh, the redevelopment of former department stores, high street retail. Um, convenience centers, uh, and currently the transformation of a whole area. Uh, and I can say that retail in the, in the broadest way, uh, stole my heart. Uh, the fun thing about retail is that it includes an audience, the consumer, uh, full of consumer behavior, desires, and also wishes and dreams. Um, and as an investor, we have to understand that and 
creates relevance for the individual in our places uh, beyond just shopping. So uh, understanding this consumer behavior combined with the strategies of our retail tenants makes it a very dynamic uh, and interesting sector. So yeah, retail uh, is definitely my most favorite one uh, so far. Yes, and you've already mentioned this uh, large development you're involved with in Amsterdam. But perhaps before we get yeah. into that, because I think that will tell us a lot about the, the market, putting that specific yeah. example to one side, in terms of mixed use, which is seems to be so hot, but also so challenging and quite tricky uh, in the industry, what are the trends that you're seeing? What kinds of mixes in these developments are happening? What What kind of works well at the moment? And perhaps also what doesn't work so well? Yeah. It's a great question, uh, and knowing my uh, uh, current uh, projects, um, what it, what I see is that monofunctional areas do not work, uh, especially in dense cities like like Amsterdam. Uh, you need a mix in program to create areas that are lively and in use twenty four seven. For retail areas, this means that you have to add residents to have the mental ownership of the place but also a program that is focused on the evening hours. Uh, shops will close six, seven or eight in the evening. Uh, so you need program you know, focusing on the, on the evening hours, uh, adding cultural program and uh, food and beverage uh, with a focus on these evening hours is always smart to do. Uh, what we see now is that uh, our F&B business partners uh, do combine uh, small music stages or uh, other retail kind of stuff in their F&B concepts. Uh, another trend is that cultural parties also host uh, local events, for example, or uh, add co-working space in their um, in their concepts. Um, another exciting development is that parties are very eager to look at blended use, um, where space can be used by different parties during the day or week. Um, and this boosts the usage, the liveliness, and in the end, also the income uh, of the space. What about retail, though? You just, you said to, to us that retail was kind of the one that you really fell in love with. Yeah. But it's had such a hard time in, in, in many respects, hasn't it, of late? Yes. Uh, how, does the, how does that asset class progress in terms of bricks and mortar, in your opinion? Yeah, during COVID, you, you saw a big change in uh, spending on the online uh, shopping. But when the when the shops opened, people got back to the stores. Uh, and I really believe that physical stores are really important for for brands. Um, and ma- many brands do say this, and uh, uh, also. Uh, they have seen uh, this proof during during COVID. They need a physical store to uh, brand their uh, stuff, let people feel their stuff, uh, be part of a community. Uh, brands like Lululemon, Rafa, and, and many more do have communities. Um, so the physical stores are, are not dead. Uh, and we believe that retail on the best places will stay there because people want, want to go to physical stores to 
to buy stuff. Yes. Now, is there any retail component in that development you mentioned at the outset in Amsterdam? Now's perhaps the time to dig into that. And by the way, would you know the history to it? I mean, what was the site? Um, what had to happen to get it to development stage, uh, assuming that that's the stage it's reached? How is it all progressing? Yeah, the, the, the site is uh, currently a monofunctional shopping center of almost 50,000 square meters. Um, you have to understand that the, uh, the direct catchment is doubling in the coming 10 years. Uh, and we do not add any retail uh, surface there. So we stay uh, to 50,000 square meters while the direct catchment is doubling here. So that's a really comfortable uh, business case, so to say. Uh, and we do uh, add uh, F&B culture and leisure instead of some uh, retail uh, uh, square meters. Um, but the retail is, is, is still the biggest amount. Uh, so we say it's a retail anchored mixed use uh, area. So retail is a big driver of the, of the place. By the way, where is it in Amsterdam? <laughs> uh, it is in uh, Amsterdam Southeast. It's where uh, the football station of Ajax is located next to a big station. Okay, I've actually been there. I've been to Axis st- <laughs> Stadium. I watched a Champions League game there. I'm glad to say, which was a phenomenal, oh, phenomenal experience. Everyone, when, when you enter the station, every yeah, many people are going to the Leisure Boulevard where Ajax is located as well. And when you walk to the other side, then you enter Amsterdam Supports, uh, the area where I am uh, developing it. But tell me, did you have to uh, purchase this shopping centre and then devise plans, or was it already in the portfolio of of CBRE IM? It's in the uh, it's in the portfolio since '87. Uh, ah, since '87. Okay. Yes. Wow. From the day it opened, so uh, it's only us <laughs> there, which for the management side. Yeah. Okay, so yes, under under your ownership or the ownership of the company, it's, it's of course seen all these different cycles, exactly. all these changes, yeah. and now is the time to do something very different. It's exactly. it's very interesting, by the way. You talk about maintaining the same amount of retail there because I, I've certainly spoken to developers and investors who are taking a project and scaling back to an yeah. extent the retail components. Yeah. Um, but you've chosen not to do that in this case. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's 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 based on the, on the growth of the area. So the, the direct catchment doubles in the coming 10 years. So yeah, your, your footfall will, will grow uh, enormously. In terms of uh, the tenants, is it too early to, to know who they are? Are they the same types of retailers or are they different? Are they using their their units differently, maybe just to showcase rather than to, to sell in bulk volume? Have you got any handle on that? It's a, it's a bit of a typical place, uh, Amsterdam Southeast. So we, we have a, a very unique blend of local retail and uh, national and uh, international anchors. Uh, uh, it's a very mixed uh, neighborhood here. So uh, you have 130 nationalities living here next to each other, and you will see that in the in the supply of of retail. Uh, and we we will keep it like this. So we do not want to make uh, a copy of other centers around here. Uh, we want to build uh, up on the unique profile of the 
consumer groups living in uh, Amsterdam Southeast. So the local part will be will be and stay there. Wow. And sorry, did you already say, I mean, the other components, will there be uh, flexible office space, for example? Will there be uh, apartments built in and around it or, or what? Yeah, we're adding uh, 600 uh, apartments. Uh, we're adding uh, a cultural part uh, for um, yeah, local cultural, cultural parties. Uh, we're adding leisure and we're looking into uh, co-working uh, space, uh, also locally run. Right, right. So you're touching on all of those trends. Well, this is placemaking. Yeah. This is exactly what the Urban yeah. Land Institute, of course, is, is all about. Um, just in, in terms of yourself, placemaking, does this give you a sense of excitement at all? Or is it just no. literally a, you know, a financial, no, no, no. a means to a financial uh, outcome? No, uh, I really like to change uh, or make things. So adding value, both social and financial is uh, where my passion lies. Um, just having a portfolio with a steady cash flow and a nice return that doesn't make me very enthusiastic. Um, so, no, it's 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 both. Uh, Placemaking is is uh, a, the right means to uh, uh, reach our goals here, uh, but it's not only financially driven. Um, it's it's social as well. So we we feel a, a huge social responsibility uh, uh, on this place. Now tell me, could you possibly, uh, perhaps when you're growing up, maybe at college or school, have thought that you would be passionate about this type of work? Is there anything in your background to suggest it? Or was it more you start the job in real estate and then little by little you, you begin I'm to enjoy sure it and you see the impact it has in this, on people? But I think my working experience through different projects has definitely contributed uh, to this. Um, and the nice thing... Uh, about creating places is for me that uh, when it is successful, the place will be used by people making new memories there uh, and places that are in the yeah, sort of mental maps of people are the great, great ones, uh, I believe. So yeah, I'm really passionate about it, but, but I cannot explain where this is caused by or something. I think my working experience did that. Right. Yes. Now, forgive me. Are you still in your twenties or your thirties? What kind of uh, uh, thirties? You're in. I'm, your... I'm thirty-two. Yeah, thirty-two. Thirty-two. So you're in that generation there, as as, as the series suggests, in that vanguard. Um, very excited about placemaking. Something that you kind of. Yeah. It sounds like you grew to love it. So yeah. just just tell me, when you look around the office, when you are dealing with counterparties. What sort of people do you do you see? Are they? Is it? Is it still very sort of what I would consider old-fashioned real estate people that are just talking about the financial metrics, how to make that, you know, last percentile of return or or what? I mean, who who's actually working in this industry at the moment? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a great question because I, I really often discuss this with my, with my colleagues. Um, I, I believe we need people uh, with a positive mindset and an honest curiosity into the end users they make places for. And whether you are an investor, investment manager, developer, or a property manager, uh, these are the people that will succeed in creating places people love. And investors that dare to think beyond the spreadsheet and dare to test and sometimes fail, they will be more future-proof. So we like to use the term, uh, place testing 
next to uh, of besides uh, place making. And with place testing, you yeah you need to go beyond your spreadsheet and try and test and uh, uh, make some uh, belief true. Uh, so yeah, uh, sort of you need a different kind of skill set, I think. Liska, you, you have to understand you're you're speaking to someone that I've just turned fifty this year, fifty, uh, and yeah. I've been reporting yeah. on real estate for yeah twenty two years now. And honestly, yeah. you know, the types of people that um, I have nothing against them, of course, but the first decade or so would be sort of senior managing partners, principals and founders. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, maybe saying that they speak a different language is going too far. But you you understand what I'm, I'm getting at. This this industry yeah. of yours that you are part of is really changing, I, I, I would say. It's not only from the from the operating part or the asset management side, I I also see that capital is is asking questions about the purpose and the mission and and the social impact side. So both sides are working really hard on this, but the translation of these questions and desires is not that simple. Yeah. Now, you said you're in your 30s. Uh, You've already caught the eye, obviously, um, in your job, and that's how you came to the attention of the ULI in in the first place. Yep. Can I ask, uh, you know, you're not about to say that you can't wait to leave your present company, but I just wondered, yeah. <laughs> what 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 would be the future for you? Like, if you could map out the next 10, 20 years, do you see yourself staying in real estate or something that touches on real estate or yeah. something even outside the industry? I don't know. what. I often think in terms of one, two or three years, but... Uh... I think I can work in in real estate or the built environment uh, forever. It's it's for me. It's the combination of having a creative and entrepreneurial job together with a financial business case uh, <laughs> to fulfill, and right. that's the best combination for me. Um, and I I feel that in the last years uh, my interest m- moved a bit to the creative and entrepreneurial side. Uh, but I'm sure that on the investor side, this part will become more and more important. So yeah, working on the investor side with a focus on the creative and entrepreneurial parts. Uh, yeah, that's my future, I think. Awesome. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad to hear it. It sounds like you will stay in the industry and uh, that, yeah. that that's good news from my perspective. Um, <laughs> now, the listeners of our podcast series love to know what it is that you're taking inspiration from externally. Uh, yeah. It may be podcast series like like we're doing here. Are there any particular ones that you listen to? Yeah. Any books or even documentaries that you can recommend that people can take something from? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit off topic, I think, but uh, my interest in uh, geopolitics has grown enormously during the last years. Yeah, placemaking now geopolitics. Lisa, this is a million miles away from being a doctor. I think you said you you perhaps grew up thinking you could become. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and Lisa, just thinking about the direction of the, the industry and those that are entering it, uh, is there any advice that you can offer to, to, to younger professionals coming into the real estate industry? Yeah, maybe some advice would be that uh, when you enter the industry, uh, think outside the box because real estate is a bit old-fashioned and the way of thinking is a bit old-fashioned. Uh, so get your inspiration from outside the sector and turn it into something you can use in your daily work. Uh, I think that would be uh, 
my suggestion for people starting in the in the industry. Um, Lieska, just as we leave you, I want to thank you so much. I mean, listen, just hearing you speak, um, it, it is actually quite warming and to know that talented people like yourself are helping. Um, make places that we all want to live and, and work in. And I was just thinking, reflecting myself, you wanted to be a doctor. Well, in some senses, you are sort of making people feel better along the way with their placemaking. So if not physically in, in a hospital or surgery, at least in the physical world. So thank you so much for joining us. 